welcome to the Fox Hunt, Vixens by the Numbers, your deep dive into all the numbers that matter to Super Netball side, the Melbourne Vixens. The Fox Hunt is brought to you by Deakin, home to the world's number one sports science school. I'm Erin Delahunty, a freelance netball journalist. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I'm on today. I'm coming to you from Echuca in Victoria, the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. I pay my respects to their elders past and present. As all of our loyal fox hunters know, this is a stats-based podcast all about blending the feel of what happens on the Super Netball Court with the cold, hard statistics. Every week, I'm joined by Dr. Aaron Fox from Deakin to analyse the Melbourne Vixens' most recent performances. Aaron is a lecturer in applied sports science and research methods and a sports data and visualisations guru. Now, I'm back from overseas and ready to dissect two wins by the Melbourne Vixens in rounds 12 and 13 over the Sunshine Coast Lightning and Adelaide Thunderbirds. Now, here's Aaron, who's coming to us from Wadawurrung land. Welcome, Aaron. Well, we're talking about two more wins, uh, securing a minor premiership and a Vixen side that now I'm sure is well and truly focused on finals. Although sadly, as I'm sure all our listeners are very well aware, um, potentially missing out on a home grand final in Melbourne after Super Netball bosses recently announced at the very last minute that they've sold the grand final to Western Australia. Hi, Aaron. Yes, I had a comment noted down from a couple of weeks ago when... (laughs) <laughs> thinking about the Vixen securing top spot and securing home court advantage in the finals, but I might just leave that one to the side for now. We'll just leave that to the edit pile, I think. <laughs> now we've got two games to get through this pod, so let's get down to business. Starting with last round's win over the Sunshine Coast Lightning, which probably feels like a bit of a lifetime ago, given how tight the most recent round was. So that game against the Lightning was actually the Vixens' last home game at John Kane Arena and was their fifth fifth win in a row. So the Vixens really jumped lightning in this game. They took a six goal lead early before the sunny coast, as they tend to do, pulled back the margin via those magnificent super shots that we all love. Uh, lightning introduced former Vixen Katie Ann Dehaney to combat um, Mike and Wenda under the post, which I thought was a pretty key move. But despite being challenged, the Vixens got the job done, winning 64 to 60. What key numbers grabbed your attention out of this game, Aaron? Well, there was a big disparity in shot attempts in the Vixens' favour in this game, 77 to 59 over the Lightning. And this was 75 to 47 for standard shots by the Vixens, but the Lightning, as you mentioned, took 12 super shot attempts to the Vixens too. Uh, Now, despite this riskier shooting profile for the Lightning with more super shots, they actually had a better shooting percentage at 88.1% versus the Vixens' 81.8%. So a pretty good shooting effort by the Lightning, which probably kept them in the match. Mm. Um, Despite the Vixens missing a lot more shots, though, the missed goal turnovers were actually equal at seven. So the Vixens got all of the Lightning's misses, uh, while the Lightning only got half of the Vixens. Um, So good good by the Vixens in that area. As we come to expect, the goals from gains, the Vixens led this 14 to 11. So another sort of key barometer stat for them that they led once again in this match. And as you alluded to, super shots uh, were eight to one in the Lightning's favor, which when you look at the goals that come from that, that's 16 to two. Yeah, those super shots made such a difference to the match. I mean, in general, in keeping it competitive, I guess. But we will we'll touch on those more specifically 
later. From start to finish, this game really felt like a bit of a game of ping pong um, with so many turnovers. I think it was Bianca Chatfield in commentary who wondered if perhaps the team's First Nation dresses were too similar because it was just kind of bouncing backwards and forwards, sometimes like a, a junior game of netball. Did the numbers sort of back up this ping pong feeling? Yeah, I, I mean, I was at this game and I jotted down a note to check on this because there were so many gains and deflections for both teams. Even when the ball wasn't being turned over, like it was just bouncing around mm. with all of those deflections. Um, and the Vixens, well, they had 20 gains, uh, which is the high, equal highest gain game for the Vixens this year. Uh, and, the, and the Lightning also had 18 gains themselves, which is their highest gain game for the year. Uh, the Vixens had 20 deflections, which was the second highest deflection game for their year. And the Lightning had 17 deflections themselves, which, again, is their highest deflection game for the year. So, yeah, this notion of it ping-ponging around and bouncing around <laughs> certainly supported by the stats. Despite this high amount of gains, though, the possession changes or possession losses by each team weren't incredibly high, which suggests that there weren't a lot of unforced turnovers recorded outside of these forced turnovers or gains. So mm. it really was, I guess, a, a win for the defensive teams in this game, you could say, from that statistical perspective. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that there was that many deflections because that's certainly what it felt like is a bit of whiplash watching at home. Now, we have had the week off, Aaron, so I think it's okay that I can reset and make the next talking pet all about the Vixens defenders. Yes, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, that sounds fair enough. <laughs> so M Mannix and Joe Weston in, in this game against the Lightning individually and as a unit really were huge. They both had four intercepts, uh, two rebounds and also nine deflections between them. And in total, as you were pointing out to me before we chatted, you know, they had seven gains each, which is just staggering has that happened before for the Vixens this season that you've had such two such dominant defenders rather than perhaps one of them tending to stand out yeah I mean not just for the Vixens even across the year you know we've seen games where players have had more than seven gains individually mm -hmm. but looking at at least two players in a match both having seven gains or more this actually hadn't happened before round 12 um, and the only other game it had happened in came in round 12 with the Magpies that same week. Um, so, you know, a, a big week for defenders, I suppose. And, yeah, something unique that hadn't happened in the year happened twice in round 12. I mean, some people do like to say the defence wins premierships, Aaron. So as we get closer towards the finals, maybe that, you know, is coming to the front of the mind. Now we have to do our Watson watch. We saw in this game, we saw Liz, watch, Liz Watson again play across wing attack and centre and pretty much beat all comers. Is that fair? Yeah, another 40 circle feeds from Watson <laughs> in this match, which is becoming very casual <laughs> up to round 12. Uh, it was the ninth time she'd done it for the year. And a bit of a spoiler alert for our round 13 <laughs> discussion. It happened again, unsurprisingly. <laughs> So Liz Watson, she's number one in the league for matches with 40 plus feeds. Um, no other player has done that as many times this year. She's got Maddie Proud sitting just behind her with eight up to round 12. Yep. But then the, the next best player in line only has four. So 
Watson right up the top of the league for that and Maddie Proud's kind of just nipping at her heels there. Yeah, so she's dominant in her dominance, we could say. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so as, as we touched on earlier, as is often the case for the Lightning, the Supershot played such a key role in this match. Between them, Steph Wood, who is definitely nursing a knee injury, which will be of a concern to Diamonds fans, I'm sure, and Riley Batchelador scored eight Supershots, which, as you pointed out, is 16 onto the scoreboard. While the Vixens had just one, through Kira Austin in the third quarter. Break down the super shots for me, Aaron. They were obviously really big for the Lightning in this match and particularly keeping them close in the first quarter in what could have been a bit of a blowout. Like I was halfway through the first quarter, I was ready to write this match off and (laughs) it was just going to be another easy Vixens win. But they really pulled it back and I think that maybe gave them some confidence as the game went on. In that first quarter, the Lightning scored uh, approximately 46% of their total score from super shots, yeah, which goodness. is their second highest proportion in a quarter this year. And it only trailed, uh, I think it was against maybe the Giants in the fourth quarter one match, where they would have been probably trying to chase down a big lead. So to see that in the first quarter is something a bit unique, I think. Yeah, and then half time to only go in three goals down as well when you felt like the Vixens had been dominating, I think was probably um, proof positive of that as well um yeah I think Kylie Burns team that you know whether they rely on that or whether it's just becoming part of their gameplay we'll have to see next season but now we need to turn our minds to the most recent game the Vixens win over the Adelaide Thunderbirds in Adelaide at the weekend it was a really sort of seesawing first term I guess from the the Vixens perspective saw the Thunderbirds take an early lead as the Vixens had sort of took their time to work their way into the contest Kira Austin shouldered much of the shooting load early as Shamira Sterling, who just looked like she was on a mission from the first whistle, I thought. She kept Kamwenda busy and the Vixens went into the first breakdown three goals. But a four and zip start to the second really got Melbourne back on track in this game. We saw a bit of a mid-court shuffle after half time, which also had an impact. And then in the last quarter, I mean, the, it really was the mid-court that stood up, I thought. Kate Eddy and, and Watson in particular showed some great composure. Um, and then also Kate Maloney just doing Kate Maloney things, no matter which bib that she's got on. There was a clutch intercept there from from M Mannix that I have to, to mention. Big rebound from Joe Weston also in those key moments when the Adelaide Thunderbirds really felt as if they couldn't buy a goal. Um, so led to a sort of nail-biting four-goal win. I don't think the scoreboard really reflects just how tight this game was in in those dying moments. What were the sort of top-line numbers for you, Aaron, out of this one? Well, the penalties over the match and how they unfolded was really interesting. Like, I was a little bit shocked watching on TV when they showed up the first quarter penalty numbers and the Vixens led that 24 to 8. It's not something we're used to seeing. That's like a big disparity. But then by the end of the game, the Thunderbirds actually led the penalty count 64 to 60. Um, So doing some quick maths in my head, what's that? (laughs) 52 to 40 penalties in the last three quarters. Mm. Um, The gains and deflections is, again, something we need to talk about. And it's something we've got used to the Vixens leading against their opponents. But these two statistics were dominated by the Thunderbirds. They had 17 games, the Thunderbirds, and they also had an additional 14 deflections, which didn't result in a game. Still 13 games for the Vixens, which isn't a bad total, but comparatively in this match, mm. they were they were well down there. Uh, and 
the missed opportunities by the Thunderbirds is perhaps something that they're going to rue from this match. Uh, so. Their gain to goal percentage was 65%, whereas the Vixens was a little bit higher at 69%. Their unforced turnover to goal percentage was at 50%, so only converting 50% of those turnovers, where the Vixens were at 73%. And the Thunderbirds missed shot conversion was at 0% versus the Vixens 44%. So some slight increases in any of those numbers <laughs> probably could have resulted in a win. Yeah, look, obviously uh, our listeners can't see um, as we're recording, but each time Aaron sort of was explaining one of those just now, I sort of had these pained expressions on my faces because my face, because it, it, it kills a team when you can't do those things. You can't take advantage of the ball that you're winning. I mean, 0% on missed shot conversions just stings. But what also stings are turnovers, as you said. And there were plenty of those in this game as well. They sort of seemed a bit unending in different at different times. It also felt like the Thunderbirds did so much work to win balls only to see it come straight back. I think we could all read that on Shamira Sterling's face at, at different times of this game. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a yes. Uh, and so the, yeah, you're right in, in what you're saying here. The, the 27 possession losses by the Vixens in this match, um, that equals their season high from the earlier loss in the year to the Magpies. So big number of turnovers by the Vixens or, or, or gains made by the Thunderbirds in this one. Despite the Vixens having a season high in this possession loss category, the Thunderbirds still actually had more with 28. Um, and, you know, where we're saying 27 is a lot for the Vixens, this yep. 28 for the Thunderbirds is actually right around their average, which sits at approximately 29. Yep. They've had games where they've had 30 plus possession losses and even a game where they lost possession 40 times. Um, and, you know, we pointed out just before that the Thunderbirds lower gain and turnover to goal percentages comparative to the Vixens in this match. Um, they seem low, but these mm. values are actually pretty typical of their season averages. So okay. perhaps it's been a long season for the Thunderbirds. And when you contrast this to what we've spoken about a number of times in this podcast with the Vixens gain to goal percentage being quite high, their average sits at 72% and that is highest in the league. So it really points out how indicative a stat like that, being able to convert gains and turnovers to scoring is really indicative of team success. Yeah, I mean, it's so simple, but it makes such a difference. I mean, you often hear Vixens players when they're interviewed talk about rewarding that that hard work. So you know that it's a key focus every week. Um, as we sort of have touched on already, one of the biggest talking points out of this game was how the Thunderbirds were able to shut down the Vixens shooting circle, which had really has had things on its own terms for much of the season. I think we need to remember Rani Samison hasn't played for, for over a month now, so we've had two shooters shouldering much of the load. The gains from the J Jamaican duo of Sterling and Latanya Wilson are sort of the obvious thing to touch on, I guess, about what they were actually able to do. For sure. Like... Each of them, Sterling had eight gains uh, and Wilson had six gains herself. These came for Sterling, eight gains with only seven penalties. And if we look at that penalty to gain ratio that we've talked about in the past, that for Sterling in this match was at 0 0.875. Under one. Wilson was <laughs> Mind yeah, blowing. Yeah, less, uh, more gains than penalties is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> 
And and Wilson was sitting at six gains with only nine penalties and that ratio at 1.5. And when we look over time, anything less than two is pretty elite for that metric. Mm-hmm. And so to have two your two circle defenders both in that category within a game is pretty pretty outrageous. <laughs> and then to think that you lost that game is even, even more. Even more. Uh, and one thing as well to take from this was as you're watching, it might've felt like the Vixens took a lot of time to get the ball into their shooting mm. circle. And we can look at their game pace and how many possessions they have per 60 minutes of the match. And mm-hmm. they recorded 83 possessions, which was their second lowest pace for their season. Yeah. Um, wow. And so that metric really supports that the Thunderbird circle defense really slowed them down in getting those feeds into the circle across this match. Yeah. I know at grassroots level, there's um, a couple of drills that you do at training where every player has to touch the ball. You have to make sure that you include everybody. And sometimes it felt a little bit like that. Oh goodness. We haven't (laughs) given it to the wing defense. Let's feed it back. Let's do a reset. And I think the Vixens too, they, they did respect what was happening in the circle too, that when the Thunderbirds were getting on top, those defenders, you know, I think they felt like they interrupted that usually strong connection, particularly probably between Watson and Kamwenda. Do the stats sort of back that up too? Yeah, well, this is something I noticed um, in the last few games that there's been a real ease with which Liz Watson has been able to feed the ball into the circle, particularly to Kamwenda, and to the point where she's almost just been lobbing it up and turning mm. around before the ball even mm. reaches Kamwenda's hands because she knows it's going to be jobs done you know it's, it's going to get there mm-hmm. um and this is something that didn't really happen in this match there was a real hesitancy to okay. throw that ball up there for good reason i think and looking at this statistically across the last two rounds liz watson's obviously had a, a number of circle feeds and of those circle feeds uh, about 80 to 85 percent of those have resulted in shot attempts that's across these last two rounds and while Watson still had 40 circle feeds in this match against the Thunderbirds, mm-hmm. only 65% of those resulted in a shot attempt in this match. And so that seems to suggest that even when those feeds were going into the circle, the shooters felt they were in positions where they weren't in mm. the best position to score. And that's, I guess, another credit to give to that Thunderbird circle defense because it's you know reflective of the hard work they're doing. Yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, we often look at that raw feeds data don't we without the context maybe we do have it in the stats but without the context of how many of those results in an actual shot attempt and I'm sure um, internally there's metrics around that efficiency because obviously if you can turn and deliver and it's a goal you know it it aids to that pace that we talked about as well but yeah a 20% drop in that um, from the last two seasons against the Thunderbirds that would that's a real badge of honour Uh, another for Shamira Sterling. Now, at the other end for the Vixens, Liv Lewis, who didn't get on in the Sunshine Coast Lightning game, she made a pretty big impact when she entered the game in the third quarter, I thought. Yeah, the Thunderbirds were starting to get on top early in that third quarter, um, outscoring the Vixens by three goals in the first few minutes. And I think this injection of Liv Lewis at goalkeeper, it, it seemed to stem this flow. And looking at the scoreboard, it certainly did across the... Rest of the third quarter, when Lewis was out there, the Vixens outscored the Thunderbirds by uh, one goal. So really stemmed it and actually got them back on top. And during this period, she had three gains. Um, 
So she was able to to get the the ball back for the Vixens. Mm. And during this time, she only gave up four penalties. So another mm. example of a defender being able to win the ball for their team while not being penalised and staying in play. Yeah, and I think something like that really speaks to the level of coaching as well. For Lewis to be able to step onto the court, have the confidence, know that you know her coach believes in her to do the job when she hasn't played in 60 minutes the previous game, I think, yeah, speaks a lot about um, Simone McInnes and the culture at the Vixens. But now we have to talk about that last quarter. Uh, wow. I mean, I actually went back and... and watch just the last quarter again because so much was was happening at different times you know we saw Liz Watson get a caution we saw um Shamira Sterling sort of stalking that goal circle waiting for the the ball to come away and of course the Thunderbirds shot just five goals in that last quarter so I mean I know how you know I love my maths but you know to take three minutes to store a goal in netball is quite a long time but that has to be one of the worst scoring performances in a quarter so far this year Aaron would that be fair to say? There was a bit of discussion after the the match on Twitter about this and as noted by Michael Hutchinson on Twitter um, the last time a five goal quarter happened in Super Netball was 2017 where actually both the Firebirds and Thunderbirds each had five goal quarters in the same match. Was it Since the same? Then, qu- was it the same quarter? No, that oh. would have been a very boring quarter. <laughs> um, I think it was the bookend first and fourth in, okay. in those matches. So yeah, interesting to see that happen twice in one game and then never happen again until now. And given this happened back in 2017, this is actually the first quarter since the super shot was introduced Uh. where a team has only scored five goals. And, you know, you think back to the match we were just talking about against the Lightning, um, they scored more than five in that first quarter's super shot period within that five minutes. So it's... Yeah, not not a record to be proud of, I don't think. Some interesting context there, right, as well, though, because it's almost difficult to only score five in the super shot era, as you say. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure Vixen fans, you know, we're really happy for this win, but the reaction from Shamira Sterling and other Thunderbirds post-match really was a a bit heartbreaking for just netball fans in general, I think. Um, But with those wins under the belt, the Vixens this week play Collingwood, um, who Vixens fans will remember beat their side earlier this season and also snuck into the four uh, with a win um, at the weekend. So while the Vixens, and you have to correct me if my maths is wrong because you know how how you know great I am at maths, the Vixens mm-hmm. can't lose top spot and have a home semi-final against the Fever locked in. This game still matters. What will the Vixens be focused on, do you think, given they lost to the Pies last time, Aaron? Well, to start with, your math is correct Yay. there. Um, it does matter. <laughs> Not so much for the Vixens. It matters a lot for the Pies. For, uh, the, the rest of the, the team. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, but in our review of the last Magpies match, we talked a lot about the physicality the Magpies yeah. defence used and how this kind of threw out the Vixens' attack a little bit. And that was indicative of a high number of contact penalties by the Magpies. There has been matches since then, though, where teams have mm. seemingly tried this against the Vixens, but they've been much better able to manage this and win those games. So you'd be looking for them to once again try and handle their business in this way. Yep. And across the last few rounds, there's with the, the Fever and the Lightning and even um, the Thunderbirds match a little bit right at the beginning, the Vixens have been able to get out in front early. It's been characteristic of these last few weeks. So 
given how the last Magpies match went and, and how the, the Vixens have been playing, it probably, again, look for them to assert that dominance early in the game to try and you know, get on top early. Yeah, it's clearly a focus. You hear Simone McInnes talk about a lot whether she was happy with the start or, or not happy with the start. I mean, it is for most teams, but I think it's been especially important for the Vixens this year. Now, it's time for Fox Answers the Fans, where normally we ask you, our listeners, to stump Aaron with a statistical question. But this week, I think I've been away, so I think Aaron's just decided to make his own rules, essentially. Um, he's going to steal the question for himself after that emotion charge Thunderbirds game that we've just been talking about where we saw the Thunderbirds get 17 gains and somehow inexplicably still lose. So Oracle, what did your research turn up? Mm, I have, maybe, maybe it was because you're away. I've hijacked <laughs> the segment and I really just wanted to answer this question myself after watching that game. And it's actually happened more regularly than I would have thought. So okay. in matches where a team has recorded 17 or more games, they've actually lost approximately 26% of the time. So about a one in four rate of, of losing those matches. Okay. Um, sorry to pile on the Thunderbirds a little bit more <laughs> in this podcast, though. It hasn't been a great stat for them this year. So um, this losing while recording 17 or more games has only happened six times for this year across the but whole five, league yeah across yep. the whole league okay um but five of those losses have been by the thunderbirds so they've really been responsible um for for that sort of metric this year and just to bring it back for our vixens fans out there it's been interesting that the Vixens have managed to win their last two games while allowing 17 and 18 games by their opposition. So that's against the Thunderbirds and the Lightning. So despite their opponents being able to take the ball away from them in these matches, uh, the Vixens have still managed to find a way to win, which bodes pretty well for them, I think. Yeah, it does. And I think at the end of that game, it certainly felt like one of those ones the Vixens found a way to win. And that's what good teams do. They they win well, they win ugly, they have good starts, they have bad starts, but they they find a way to get the W. Now, before I ask Aaron for his performance prediction for this weekend's last home and away game against Collingwood at John Kane Arena that we just mentioned, we need to first check in with how he went in the Lightning game, so round 12. For the Lightning game, you said the Vixens would record their highest rebounding game. How did you go? Uh, it didn't happen. <laughs> And so they had nine rebounds, yep. which is, was okay. It didn't match their season high of 11. Mm -hmm. uh, this was actually mostly driven by Kamwenda rebounding a few or a number of her own shots. Uh, and, you know, the reason I went with this prediction was the Lightning have you know, had a number of games where they've missed a lot of shots. Mm -hmm. uh, but against the Vixens, <laughs> they actually had their second lowest number of misses for the year. So... They really didn't help out with this prediction. I, um, but Kamwenda, I guess, tried to help me out by missing a few and just grabbing them. So Kylie um, Burns is obviously a, a big fan of the program and just decided let's not miss this week. That was the instruction. Yeah, this. Yeah. you know what? This is very reflective of the last <laughs> prediction I think I made with the lightning match where I said I think Sherian would get a bunch of turnovers yes. and didn't. So yes. Yeah, maybe no predictions for the Lightning okay. matchups anymore. Now, look, you didn't. I didn't get a prediction. Probably my error. I didn't get a prediction for you for the Thunderbirds match, but probably a, a blessing in disguise, given how strange and unpredictable that game was. Mm. But what have you got for us ahead of round fourteen against Collingwood? 
I'm sort of, I'm sitting on the fence a little bit with this one, not making a solid prediction, but the Magpies, they're giving away the second highest amount of unforced turnovers on average per game. Okay. And being where this game's situated is the last game for the round and the Magpies are really going to go into this game in a situation where they'll basically have to win to make finals. I don't think there's not much that can happen which would cause that situation from not unfolding. Yep. It's going to be a really sink or swim game for them. And if they do sink and, you know, the Vixens come out on top, I think it's going to be because of another high unforced turnover game above their average for the season, which sits around 12. So look for maybe more or less unforced turnovers than that depending on the result of the game. Okay, we'll be keeping a close eye on that one on Monday. You just know the Pies are going to bring their A game to this match, particularly the momentum that they bring into it and it being a home game. Um, Collingwood loves nothing better than beating the Vixens. I think that much is clear. Look, thanks very much for joining me again, Aaron. That's the end and I look forward to chatting to you next week. 